looking back at what I know now about the game of golf, I feel like I got slighted a little bit. In this episode, we talk about what we wish we would have known back in junior golf days. Golf is not that hard. Well, it doesn't have to be. That's why we cut through all the highbrow golf BS to give you what you really need to know to enjoy the golfing experience. I'm Doug Smith. And I'm Cheyenne Woods. And together we have over 50 years experience playing the game of golf at every level. Every week we'll break down a new topic in 10 minutes or less, answering some of the most popular questions in golf today. You're welcome. Junior golf is a funny thing because it's almost, it definitely is actually its own community to where you really do need to know the ins and outs of how to develop your junior golfer. Or if you're a junior yourself, what can I play in? How do I need to practice? For myself, I was about six years old when I started playing golf and neither of my parents played golf. Yes, my uncle was Tiger Woods, but... Wait, no, seriously? (laughs) No, wait, no, I didn't know this is, this is... I wish I would have known this in junior golf. Gosh, never heard yeah, of that man. guy. Never heard of <laughs> Tiger him. Tiger Woods. He, I guess, was a big deal back then and now or whatever the case is. But I watched him on TV, but my mom and I still didn't know what a driving range was. And we'd go to the local park and hit balls at the park until they kicked us out. <laughs> and, um, but little things like that, we then found out what a driving range was. We found a local junior golf program. And that's when we really found the niche of the community here in Phoenix of junior golf programs and organizations. Where I grew up in Kentucky at the time, we didn't have organizations like the first tee and those things when I was a kid. So I relied heavily on my neighbors. Fortunate for me, the best player in the state of Kentucky at the time, we went to the same school. My dad asked his parents, you know, can can Doug tag along, right? And that's really how I got in, how I began to play. I just kind of tagged along with a kid that was really, really good. And I'm talking about seven, eight years old. It's funny because any other sport, say your son or your child or yourself when you were a kid, you wanted to play soccer or basketball, you sign up for an AAU team, you know of a league in the area, parks and recreation, you know of a YMCA, you can go and sign up. But with golf, it's such an exclusionary sport to where you feel like you have to go to a country club, you have to be in this community to really feel comfortable and be able to then be a part of it. So for me, the biggest question I always get from parents or junior golfers is how can I compete on regular basis to then build up to maybe get a college scholarship or to at least compete at a competitive level to really build your level of skill? Without, you know, those those local organizations and being able to be a member of a club or a country club or a golf club, it's really hard for a junior golfer to kind of get into the game and sustain because what people fail to realize is some of these bigger junior golf events and these bigger amateur events, you need to be ranked a certain level. So when you're 11 and 12, even 13 years old, those are very pivotal times for you to be good at golf or kids to be good at golf because that's when they're going to earn the right to play in the tournaments when they're 15 and 16, even as they go off into college. And don't even get me started on on what the AJGA has created. And I'm not saying this in a negative light, but the AJGA has created this arena for college coaches to look to for to find the best players in the country. You know, for me, my parents didn't have the money for me to play in, in AJGA events and FCWTs and IJGTs and all these other, you know, the alphabet soups of junior golf tours, right? All I could play was what was going on in Kentucky. You would sign up for your events and then you would play in your events you know, through the summer. And that was it. And that was, and then they all kind of fed into the, the state junior or the state amp. But that's all I knew as a golfer. So like when you were a golfer, did, I'm sure your parents were in the same boat as mine, didn't know about the national events where you actually got recognized and got acclaim. 
Right. I grew up locally here in Phoenix, and every summer we'd be out here playing the local tournaments every single weekend. And because my parents weren't familiar with the golf industry or junior golf world, my grandfather really told us, Earl Woods, who obviously he got Tiger to a certain point, and he knew the ins and outs of golf, and he told us what the events were that I maybe needed to play in. And so we would pick a handful that I could play in during the summer, and every year we'd go out to Junior World, which was this tournament in California where I got to see kids from all over the world for the very first time. We were in San Diego, kids from Japan, and can't Canada is not even that far, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keep that, don't lose it. (laughs) But literally from all over the world. And for me, that just opened up my eyes to the bubble that I was living in in Phoenix, that there are some good kids out here in the world that I I need to practice. Absolutely. I need to get better. Locally, I won a lot of tournaments, and it's easy to get complacent. So I think it is important for juniors to kind of branch out at some point. You mentioned college and getting eyes on you. I think it's scary. I hear kids are getting recruited and making commitments in middle school. Yeah. That's the thing. In all sports. In all sports. In all sports. Yeah. So imagine if you are getting that late start and you have colleges who already have commitments and don't have spots available. I think it's crucial, though, that that people always remember that there's multiple tiers of of college athletics. Not disrespectfully, there are some great Division II, Division III universities that can help prepare you for the tour as well. You know, you don't have to go to Duke or Pepperdine just to be able to get to the tour. Like, you don't. I mean, Dustin Johnson went to Coastal Carolina. But there has to be a level of consistency. You need a place to play. You need a place to practice. Players, parents, listen. The only way to prepare you for tournament golf is tournament golf. So if your kid or you, if you're aspiring to play at the highest levels, if you're not competing consistently in tournament after tournament and playing a decent tournament schedule, you will not be prepared when you are tested or when you show up and a a college coach is there to watch you play or a recruiter. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of just building the foundation of who you are as a player and as a competitive golfer. Because it's one thing to practice and play on the weekends, but to truly build the foundation of being able to compete. Put yourself in those situations of having a little bit of pressure, being able to win a tournament and close it out. No matter where you're playing, a win is a win. A win is a win. those feelings are going to be there, whether you're playing locally or you're winning the Masters at Augusta. So... I want to take a beat to talk to the parents about golf because, Cheyenne, you've seen it. I've seen it. You've seen child phenoms or or kids that were really good and they had too aggressive parents as it relates to their practice or their lack of allowing them to be a child and be, you know, anywhere else but the golf course. My advice, if you have a great player or if you have a kid that wants to play, you've got to let that kid want to do it. You know, don't push your aspirations of you not making it to the tour onto your child. I think that's very unfair. I had friends whose parents pushed them to the point where guys don't even play golf anymore. Yeah, it's never, never a good thing, especially when you see the kids with such great talent at a young age. And like you said, we've all seen it. Uh, The other day I saw Kobe Bryant being interviewed at a WNBA game with his daughter and they asked the same question. How are you growing your child's love and skill for the game without being too much? And as Kobe Bryant, I'm sure it's so easy for him to want to be hard and be very demanding on his daughter. But he said the biggest thing was just building a curiosity with his daughter and the love for the game. And so if you can create that curiosity and build that foundation of your kid on their own wanting to get better, wanting to learn more. 
that's how you can truly guide your child throughout the sport and allow them to have a long-term career versus just this short spurt of being really good and then being burned out. Give them everything. Give them every sport. Give them golf. Yes. Give them basketball, football, baseball, tennis, tiddlywinks. I don't care. Give them everything that you can give them. If you want your child to be a golfer, this is the way to do it. Go play golf yourself and invite your child with you. Do that consistently. Hey, sweetheart, I'm going to the range. Do you want to go? I bought you some new clubs. I bought you some new shoes. You have Here's a hat. Here's some new balls with your name on it. Make golf interesting. BS aside, golf can be very boring, especially as you're growing up, right? So being able to use it as an outlet for a child instead of a means for them to get off the parental payroll when, they, when they're a certain age. Right. In this week's Let's Get Technical segment, we're going to talk about marking your golf ball. Personally, I mark my ball different every time I play golf. Sometimes I'm a two-dotter, sometimes I'm a three-dotter. Sometimes I dot the I in my Titleist. Sometimes I put the dot over the number on the ball. Not sure, but shy. Advice to people on how, what, when, who they could mark their golf. There's no wrong way to mark your ball. I've seen absolutely everything on a golf ball from, like you said, one dot or someone literally coloring in the entire golf ball. So whatever works for you, go with it. Me personally, I like to put a dot and I do a line on the label of the ball so that I can then use it as an alignment on the putting green. So you can use things to mark your ball to then help you with throughout the round, but it's very unique to yourself and unique to what you might need throughout the game or what just makes you feel good. And it's not illegal to have a line on your golf ball. No. Especially if you do use it for alignment. Players like Jordan Spieth, uh, Jordan actually writes a Z on his ball. So every time he sees it, when he's aligned himself to putt, it tells him to go in a zone or to be focused. So you can also use your the you know labeling of your golf ball to give you mental cues while you're playing. Try it out. See if it works. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, send your questions. Hit us up at Birdies Not BS on Twitter and Instagram or Doug. Birdies Not BS.com. Bye.